Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. It ain't fair how we scrounge for three or four bucks while she gets war bucks, the little brat. As always, excellent. Thank you. So we're going to talk about Google Wallet today. Indeed. And uh, Google Wallet was a project that was announced back in, uh, I think, May of 2011. It is now late June 2011 when we're recording this podcast. But we wanted to kind of talk about it and kind of uh, go over what the implications of the the, the product is are. Gosh, I'm so tired. I've just got back from vacation and my, my ability to speak in coherent sentences with proper grammar is sorely uh, depleted. Yes, yes. So Google Wallet, fire bad. <laughs> um, anyway, so we wanted to talk about what Google Wallet is, how it works in a kind of bird's eye view level and what it might mean to the future of making purchases. Yeah, it's funny because this is not really a new topic at all, but it's new to many people here in the United States because yeah. I mean this is the kind of thing that's been going on uh for many years over in Asia. Yeah, Japan in particular. Japan in particular. Um basically the idea being that you could uh store payment information in your cell phone right. or smartphone and uh use that information to make a payment when you go to uh, a store. Yeah. So instead of scanning a, you know, swiping your credit card and, and signing a little digital thing or, uh, or having to put in your pin number if you're using a debit card or even using a credit card that has an RFID chip in it where, you know, you'll, you'll see those consoles at certain, uh, vendors where you can tap the card and that registers as a payment. Yes. Uh, instead of using a card at all, it would be stored on your phone. And you might ask, well, why would you even bother to do that? Like, why, why have it on your phone as opposed to if you, if it's replacing tapping a card, how does that make it easier if you put it on a phone? And that's a, that's a legitimate question. I mean, one answer you could arguably give is that, well, you cut down on the things you need to carry. But when you're talking about a credit card, it's not like that's a huge bulky thing that's really weighing you down. In fact, it's much smaller form factor than a cell phone or smartphone. So really the value in the proposition is that uh, Google has has grouped this ability to pay through a, uh, um, a, a smartphone with other services that kind of make it more of an attractive uh, service. It's not, it's not just that you can pay with a smartphone. There are other features that are involved that are pretty cool. Yeah. And in addition to that, Google says that it doesn't intend to replace a credit card. It intends to replace all of your credit cards and yeah. your loyalty cards. Those the, the cards that you carry around with you to, um, you know, if you, you're at your grocery store and you get, you know, 50 cents off a can of tomatoes mm-hmm. if you have the card. Yes. Um, basically, you're selling them your information so they can market to you. But you also – In exchange, they'll give you a discount. And you also get – yeah. So not just loyalty cards but also coupons, like electronic coupons. Right, right. So, so there might be a loyalty program. For example, here's an easy one. My wife really likes coffee. Right. So she has loyalty cards with practically every coffee shop that is in a – 
10 mile radius of our home. Yeah, lo- her loyalty to coffee is legendary. Yes, to the point where, you know, she has to sort through her loyalty cards when she goes into a coffee shop to determine which one of her cards applies at that shop. And so, you know, you, it's one of those things where, you know, you buy nine coffees and the 10th one is free. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing, except it's stored electronically on your phone. And so it, the, the application of Google Wallet keeps track of how many times you've been to this particular place and bought a particular thing and then automatically registers when you hit 10. And so when you go to pay, it regis- it, it files that information for you. It's the same as if your card had been stamped a 10th time and then you don't have to, uh, it won't, you don't get the, the price of the coffee deducted from your account or mm-hmm. charged to your card. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we get too far into this, just before we, we, launch into it. I wanted to mention uh, that we do have an article about paying uh, with a cell phone. In fact, it's called Can You Use a Cell Phone as a Credit Card? And Julia Layton wrote that article. And it's a, um, if you go and read the article, you'll actually notice that there's some mention of uh, of this debuting in the United States back in 2007. And not Google Wallet, but the ability to pay using, using a phone as a credit card. Now, keep in mind, even 2007 is late to the game compared to Japan. That, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I just wanted to go, before we go any further too, um, Google's also saying that, uh, in addition to, uh, loyalty cards and credit cards, Google says that it, uh, that Google Wallet will eventually allow you to use gift cards, receipts, boarding passes, um, and, and possibly your keys, um, available through Google Wallet. So, um, it would, in fact, in theory, be able to reduce the amount of stuff you would need to carry in your wallet. Now, I notice there's no driver's license mentioned in there. Passport. Uh, that, passport. Mm. That would be interesting to see. Although yeah. passports in the United States do have uh, an, a radio frequency identification chip. Yes, they do. So I have a, I have a little, little wallet that blocks that. Yes. <laughs> for yes. mine. We'll talk about that later too because yeah. that's going to come up. But we should probably talk about the uh, – uh, you know how it works and the the benefits of using it. Sure. Now, when they were uh, when Google was launching this, they were talking about two specific uh, uh, other partners with this. I yes. Mean, um, there are also thousands of vendors that are going to support this, but the two partners specifically that I wanted to talk about were uh, Sprint because the phone that they're debuting the Google Wallet uh, service on is the Nexus S4G, which is only on Sprint. Yes. All right. And then City MasterCard, which is, the, you know, that's where that's got the financial backing. That's so if you want to have Google Wallet, you have really two choices mm-hmm. as far as uh, what kind of payment option you go with. You can either apply to get a, a City MasterCard account or if you already have one, you can enter that information into Google Wallet and that will become your Google Wallet uh, uh, account. Or you can get a Google prepaid card. Right. And Google prepaid card is, you know, it's essentially what it sounds like. You can you can put money into your Google prepaid card and use that for payments. Kind of like, you know, like PayPal or any other sort of gift card kind of approach. Um, and what's kind of interesting is that uh, if you do the Google prepay approach, uh, they will actually credit you $10 in your account. So you'll get 10 bucks for free. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny, actually. And at least until um, the end of 2011, you will not have to pay any fees to add money to your Google prepaid card. So in other words, it's not like you get a service fee 
uh, added on top of, you know, you want to add, say, $100 to your Google prepaid card. You're not going to get a service fee of 5 bucks on top of that, at least until the end of 2011. Now, uh, does that mean that in 2012 they'll start adding in a service fee? Maybe. We don't know. But the wording is specifically about till the end of 2011 or at least until the end of 2011 is how they put it. Yep. So, um yeah, you've got so you've got the that's the backing as far as payment goes. So it's right. either City Mastercard or the uh, prepaid card, which you can use uh, any credit card to b- purchase money to go toward the prepaid card. Right, you don't uh-huh. have to have a City Mastercard for that one. Uh, well, what about the actual payment process? Like, how does this transfer happen? Well, it happens through um, something called an NFC chip. Yes, that's near field communication. Yeah. Um, this is a little different from the RFID chip. Yes. That you find in your, uh, in some of your credit cards. Yeah. Which is, uh, if you, if you have one, you'll know it. It's that, that little, uh, usually gold color or silver colored, um, piece of metal embedded in the chip. Yeah. And basically that has your, your information, uh, in it so that when you, uh, uh, take it near one of those pay, uh, Pads and you touch yeah. it to that, the pad can read that. Of course, um, you know, basically it's as far as, you know, it's not electronic or anything like that. It doesn't have, you know, need a battery or anything to operate. Um, so it's, it, but it's essentially always on. There's nothing keeping it from being read at any time, which yeah. is one of the, pe- the criticisms people have of RFID chips. And, and as Jonathan was saying, he's got, apparently he carries a Faraday cage in his wallet it's a it's it's a special case that has rfid blocking material or or not rfid blocking material but blocks radio frequencies right so if if somebody had something that could uh if he he weren't carrying that and somebody had something that could pick up an rfid chip near enough and they just you know bumped into him in public say like a pickpocket might yeah except without having to pick his pocket they could read the number off of the card um, I also find that uh, having RFID chips, multiple RFID chips in my wallet will interfere with things like the uh, uh, rapid transit system in Atlanta. If you yeah. have another RFID chip, it will, you know, tr- the two signals will cancel each other out and they'll say, I can't read that. Yeah, so you have to take it out of the, your wallet. Yeah. <sighs> um, that's annoying. It's so irritating having but, to go all the way to taking a card out of your wallet to tap against a little circle so that you can go in and ride public transportation. Such an inconvenience. Yeah. Uh, but it, Thank in, goodness we got rid of that token system. <laughs> but in contrast, um, the near field communication system can be turned on and off. And there is a transceiver built into uh, the NFC enabled phones, in yes. this case, the Nexus S that will allow you to transmit that information. So yeah. it can be, you can turn it off yeah. essentially. Um, now you can have a, and you can have a passive, uh, NFC system sure. where, where mm-hmm. one element is just like with RFID, where one element is, is active and then the other one is passive. Right. But in the case of smartphones, we're talking about and both, both parts are active. And then you say, all right, well, Enough about this. How does it actually work? All right. Well, it uses inductive coupling. Really? Yeah. So we're talking inducing electricity. And if you guys have been listening to tech stuff for a while, you know we've talked about this in multiple episodes, including yes. some of our basic electronics episodes and others. So induction, we're talking about that wonderful relationship between electric electricity and magnetic fields. 
So mm-hmm. electric fields and the magnetic fields. And so what's happening with uh, uh, NFC is that it's you have at least one element that's producing a magnetic field. Uh-huh. And then you have another element that has a coil of wire in it. And when you pass that that chip that has the coil of wire in it uh, next or through that magnetic field, it alters the magnetic field. Mm-hmm. All right. And it alters it in such a way, depending upon the coil of wire that's in that chip and other elements, it, it, it uh, manipulates that magnetic field in such a way that something that electricity flows through that active uh, element. And then whatever's supposed to happen theoretically happens. So theoretically, yeah, exactly. So exam- for example, if it's a locked door and it has a electric lock that is uh, producing this, it's using near field communication. Right. Um, you have the, the little pad on the door that is actively generating this magnetic field. You pass your key fob through that magnetic field. It registers that as the correct, uh, uh, kind of alteration of that magnetic field that corresponds to this person has a key to this office and it'll unlock. Mm-hmm. Now with the smartphones, you've got the two different uh, magnetic fields that are being generated. And that's where you can have this communication pass between the two, where essentially you have one uh, asking for identification and the other one um, making sure that it registers that it's uh, an actual payment. You know, you have to have this work on both sides for this to to take place. So um, and just in case you're curious, the data rates that can transfer between two devices in an NFC system, uh, there are three different data rates that are possible. Okay. And when you hear how, what the speeds are, you're going to think, wow, that's pretty slow compared to, uh, like an internet connection, like a broadband internet connection. Okay. 106 kilobits per second, 212 kilobits per second, and 424 kilobits per second. But you got to keep in mind that the amount of information that's being transferred here is minuscule. Yes. You know, you're talking about some sort of identification, credit card information, um, and that's it, really. And well, purchase price or whatever. Uh, but it's tiny in comparison to the amount of data you get even just loading up a basic web page. So you don't really need a super fast data transfer rate in order for this uh, to work. So the smartphones are using this NFC technology and the the vendors have to use it as well. I mean, obviously, even if you got Google Wallet and you walk into a store, there's no guarantee you can use your phone to pay for whatever you're buying. The vendor has to also have their half of the system in place. Right. So, yeah, you can't just walk up to a cashier and wave your phone around and it'll pay for it. Uh, you might get some funny looks or be politely asked to leave or maybe not politely asked to leave. Well, um, it does. If you've uh, seen the MasterCard PayPass system, yeah. um, then there there are actually places. There's a uh, on the Google Wallet um, information site. There is a way to look up whether or not their Google Wallet uh, merchants in your area and basically any place that has that system already in place, that mm-hmm. system will interact with Google Wallet or is it, it's supposed to. Um, plus there are other places too. A lot of the stores that you might find in the malls here, um, in the United States and some restaurants, um, you know, places like, uh, Bloomingdale's or American Eagle, Macy's, um, Arby's. You know. Yeah, that's true. Because that's I true. actually went, uh, if you go to, to Google's pages on this, they have a, a little section where you can type in your zip code and see yeah. what what stores nearby are um, uh, have that that option. And so I checked for our office just out of curiosity and saw that there was an Arby's and uh, 
It's interesting because we actually have a couple of really large malls mm-hmm. near our office, and I didn't see a whole lot of stores in those malls that had adopted this. Now, granted, even though this technology, again, the technology itself is not new, the the product and the service are very new, uh, so it's not a huge surprise that there's not a widespread adoption yet. What's, what is interesting to me mm-hmm. is Eric Schmidt has said that he believes within uh, a year – there will be widespread adoption. So based upon the recording of this podcast, within by June 2012, Schmidt expects that this NFC uh, uh, approach to paying for goods and services will be widespread. I'm holding him to that. I, it would be nice. I mean, uh, especially, again, we'll get back to the, the offers and everything with Google Wallet to talk about how, you know, that adds value to their, their service. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean... It would be nice to know that we are no longer kind of in the the relatively dark ages, technologically speaking, compared to like Japan. I know I keep bringing that up, but I mean, Japan is light years ahead of us as far as uh, the mobile technology goes. You know, I mean, they're we're catching up definitely, and I know that the iPhone is is become popular in Japan as well. So it's not like uh, you know they look at our our brand new toys and say. <laughs> Man, that was cool five years ago. <laughs> well, um, th- well, that's something I want to talk about in a minute. There, I wanted to bring up before we got away from uh, too far away from how it works. Yeah, uh, I feel compelled to point out that there is another step. Uh, you don't yes. just tap your phone to the pad and you know say thank you very much. Here's your receipt. There is another step. Now, you you might be wondering, uh, you know, how does it know it's me? You have to enter a PIN. Yes. On your phone. Yes. Uh, your phone has to be on. Yes. If it, if it is off, if you've run out of battery, you've run out of cash. Yes. Yeah. Or not cash, but you know. Um, yeah, you can't use it. You can't use it card. anymore. Um, because it's got to, to be able to receive a signal. Now, you don't have to have a, uh, a phone signal where you are. Say you're in a, a really giant mall. Yeah. Um, and, and you're away from a tower. And you're away from a tower and you can't get a signal. Well, I can't imagine a mall that wouldn't have a cell tower. Oh, no, whatever, no. But there's, <laughs> There are they places, there are places near where I live that are right around the corner where I live and there are certain stores that if you go into it, it's like they've built a Faraday cage around that store because yeah. you can't, your, your signal drops like a, like, like a, like a stone. Like, like a something that drops very like fast. Like something that, like, it hung in the air the same way bricks don't. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to, you have to be able to identify yourself and the phone has to be on for you to complete the transaction. Um, as a matter of fact, the, uh, uh, the information is stored in something that Google is calling the secure element. Yes, it's not it's not connected directly to the Android processing chip. Uh, that was a very important part of Google's presentation. They wanted to make sure that everyone understood the what measures they had taken to ensure security of this, because you know you could you could clearly any time you're talking about transmitting uh, data wirelessly, there's this whole fear that there's a way that that data could get leaked and compromised. And of course, we all know that you don't have to transmit data wirelessly in order for your information to be compromised. I know this from recent personal experience. <laughs> but um, but anytime that you see that, that uh, medium of exchange, that's one of the concerns you have, right? So yeah, the secure element is uh, is completely separate from the Android uh, processor and the uh, apps, the Google Wallet app does not directly um, 
access the secure element. So in other words, they wanted to make sure that if you were to, say, lose your phone, that getting hold of your credit card information would not be an easy thing to do. Now, that's not to say that some enterprising hacker couldn't figure out a way to do it. So even if you were to lose your phone, uh, the uh, Google stresses that you should immediately contact your your bank or other financial institution in order to change your credit cards, cancel them out, and, and get new ones because you know you never want to just entrust and say that something is completely secure from all possible attacks because we all learned the lesson from Titanic. <laughs> Well, um, namely Leonardo DiCaprio is dreamy. <laughs> well, in in the case of the uh, Nexus S, the secure element is an NXP PN65K chip. Oh, sure, uh, give it away now. Everyone knows, according to Clint Bolton from eWeek. Um, and yeah, lest you think, and as I saw in comments on his article, um, that we are necessarily spreading. Uh, fear, uncertainty, uncertainty, and doubt. All FUD. Other, otherwise known as FUD. Um, I just, I feel compelled to report, um, as other people did. I saw this person quoted a couple times. Um, McAfee, uh, security expert, um, Jimmy Shaw, who basically was saying that based on what he knows of the system, it's not that the system isn't designed with security in place. He, you know, so much as he thinks that it might be possible to take the authentication key from the Google Wallet application itself yeah. and uh, write uh, an application that will allow somebody to fool the secure element into giving up what it has. It's not the secure element that he sees as the weak link. He it's sees the, the app as being the weak link. Yeah, the app as being reverse engineerable to yeah. get at whatever, the, you know, your PIN number and... Oh, I just uh, did, did it. it. You did it. ATM machine. Yes. Sorry, you know, pin, actually, the end. The pin personal identification number. number. The personal identification number number. Yeah. Um, On your Windows phone phone. <laughs> now we're talking to Android. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. He, they Basically, they, they feel that it's possible to do that. Now, um, yes, you could say that uh, Google has gone to a lot of trouble to ensure that it's not going to be easy to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and people, uh, who like this idea are probably saying, no, you're just saying this and it's, it's very unlikely. Yes, it's unlikely, but you it's know, possible. It, it's a good idea to keep that in mind. Yeah, there well, is I, a possibility to do that. Yeah. Just like any bank, it's possible that it could get robbed. It's, it's also, not likely, but it's possible. And it's possible you could have your card skimmed when you go to a machine or oh, yeah, a... Yeah, that is very possible. And, you know, that there might be a very tiny camera recording your movements as you yes, enter your PIN. Yes, very possible. No number. So anyway, the... Uh, but, so, but, but also we should keep in mind that Android phones have, um, have optional or locking systems on them as well. So that's yeah. an, as a second level of security, which yeah. is separate from the Google Wallet. Like that's just so that you can use your phone. So for example, if you were to pick up my phone, you would find out that there is a uh, security code that you would need to enter in order to access my phone. Now, yes, there are ways of getting around that if you know how to hack the phone properly. But it again, it's that level of security that discourages you know, a, a, a major percentage of the people who would otherwise try and take advantage of finding your phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no security system is going to be perfect, but you try and make it strong enough so that 99% of the cases are 
uh, our failures. Mm-hmm. And then again, as I said before, Google does stress that you have to let your financial institutions know so that you can you can make sure that no one can use that card against you. Yeah. Um, and also they uh, they have an element in place where it prevents you from creating a weak password or a weak pin. Yeah. So if you were to try doing one 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 as your pin, so that you wouldn't have to remember it whenever you're using Google Wallet, uh, it will reject that. Right. And make you choose something that's not going to be the same digit four times or uh, four sequential digits, either up or down, that kind of thing. Yeah. Tony Bradley it's of same PC as my World. Luggage. <laughs> Sorry, Tony Bradley. Uh, Tony Bradley of PC World. Um, it sounds like you may have read the same article because it's um, this one also quoted Jimmy Shaw. Uh, but um, he had uh, Bradley spoken with Google specifically about some of these things. And Google said that uh, Google Wallet itself does not have access to the credit card information uh, in the secure element. Um, so, you know, basically, they, you know, they're they're stressing that it really is a secure way of doing this. Plus, the uh, uh, they added that the transceiver is off. Yeah. If your your phone's screen is off. Right. So as long as your screen is off, it is not there's no way that it's supposed to be able to transmit information. And, and near field communication works over very short distances. We're talking like centimeters. Right. So um so so intercepting that would be difficult unless, you know, everyone's really buddy buddy in the stores you shop in. Right. Right. So I, I do think um I do think they've put some some good security measures in place. Right. I, like any kind of electronic transaction, I think there's probably some risk involved in sure. doing that. There's, there's no fail-proof system out there. But I would say that, again, it. I would say that just because, yes, there's an element where there's a, a, a element of risk there, but it's tiny. Yeah. Just like there's an element of risk in every kind of transaction you can do. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, keep in mind that anything that isn't uh, an electronic transfer has its own element of risk to it. It may be different from the electronic version, but it's still there. So no, no system is perfect. Hey, even we, we found out uh, just this week that um, well, a topic that we recently talked about, Bitcoin. Yeah. People have been stealing Bitcoins. Yeah, I actually did an update for our Bitcoin uh, podcast because of that. Yes. Yeah, so, so you'll be hearing – actually, you've already heard that. So you should have. When you when – you, yeah. <laughs> Unless something has gone terribly wrong, well, you've heard our Bitcoin episode, sometimes. and so you will have heard the update that I gave at the end of it. Um, so did you want to talk about uh, the offers? Yeah, I want to talk with very briefly about Google Offers. So Google Offers is kind of uh, Google's answer to things like Groupon, Groupon Scout Mob. Uh, there are other – lots of living social. Yeah. There are a lot of other uh, services out there that offer deals or coupons – for specific goods and services. And these are awesome, right? You yeah. know, you get this, this deal and maybe it's a, you know, it's, maybe it's a place that you've never been before and you want to check it out. Maybe it's a place you go to all the time and you want to be able to use the offer toward some sort of goods or service. Um, or maybe you never would have thought to go there at all, but this has convinced you to because the deal is just so darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in most cases, with this kind of thing, you you especially if it's a mobile app, you get some sort of deal that you have to show at whatever the vendor is, you know, whoever is whomever's offering the goods or services. So, let's say, for example, I can give a, a specific example. I I used a a uh, an app 
to get uh, discount tickets to a local theater mm-hmm. and a stage theater, not a movie theater. And so I went to the theater and then I had to pull up the app and show that I had activated that particular offer. And I showed it at the door and they applied the discount and then I got my tickets. Well, with uh, Google offers partnered with Google Wallet, it's mm-hmm. not always going to be the case because, you know, you have to have the vendor using the system, too. But let's say that you have a Google offer for that particular place and you're using Google Wallet to pay for your whatever. So let's say I'm going to the theater and they have the system there. I could tap my phone to that and it would automatically apply that coupon to the purchase without me having to do a separate step of showing the offer to someone else. Uh And same is true again with the loyalty cards. So you might have a particular place you go to a lot and uh, you have your loyalty benefits, you have a coupon, and you've got this uh, this Google Wallet system. All you do is with one tap, you make your purchase, and everything is applied to that one uh, that one transaction. And this is really a compelling service to me because it simplifies everything. And you might even get to the point where you're not even fully aware of all the things that are looped in. Yeah. Offers. So, for example, let's say uh, there are a lot of grocery stores that have the loyalty cards, right? Yes. And you get certain deals uh, when you go shopping that other people who do who are not part of the loyalty program they don't have access to those deals. Right. And let's just say you're going on a normal shopping trip and you're not even really paying attention as you're purchasing your stuff. You know, you're getting the brands you like and you're getting whatever products you want, and you go to check out and you tap your phone. And if there were any offers, it automatically gets uh, applied to whatever it was you were purchasing. And uh, and again, it cuts down on the stuff you have to remember to carry with you. So, for example, I used my loyalty uh, uh, key fob thing so much at our grocery store that it eventually wore through and broke off my keychain. And now mm. I don't have it with me all the time because I never bothered to replace it because I was like, well, you know, it's – more walking. Yeah, I actually uh, got an app for my smartphone that has the uh, ability to put the barcodes on the screen. Yeah. So theoretically, you're supposed to just uh, scan your your phone screen in front of the thing, and it will read your loyalty card number. I can tell you, I, I think probably because of the um, uh, screen protector on my phone, I, I could never get it to read properly. Right. Uh, especially on the U, well, on the U scan lanes. You know, I. Kind of nervous giving your phone to the cashier, but you know, on the U scan thing, well, it's just me. I'm going to get it, you know, right. You know, I sat there for yeah ten minutes. The people were hitting me behind from behind with oranges in the back of my head, like that, like the old the old days when they first got the scanners, and the person would, the cashier would scan something, nothing would happen. Scan it, nothing would happen. Scan it, nothing would happen. Stop. Look at the sticker. Put it back down. Scan it, nothing would happen. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that. Um, But, But a near field communication system would. Completely yeah, circumvent there's that. There's no problem. scanning needed. There's no scanning needed. You uh, just need to get it close enough to. And for vendors, for vendors that are participating with Google offers but are not participating with Google Wallet, you would still do the scanning thing. Right. You, know, you would have to open up your Google offers, uh, uh, part of your Google Wallet, and show off, "Hey, I've got this coupon." So yeah. you would still do it the older way through that method. But if they are working with the Google Wallet system, then again, it's just one tap and you go. I think it's a... Oh, sorry. You were going to say something. Well, you can go ahead and say the I think it's a... Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's an interesting product and I think I think it has a lot of potential. 
Um, I know that there are a lot of other companies that are looking into similar ways of doing payments. You've also got the other services like Groupon. You've got services like uh, Living Social that are they're handling the offers side of it. They're not necessarily partnered with the payment side of it yet, although that may change. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go because yeah. American Express and uh, Foursquare are currently working together. Um, now, these are with the, the plastic card, yeah. not, you know, there's not a, a, an electronic wallet, but you figure with American Express's clout, uh, they would easily be able to, to do this. And yeah, I mean, you, it is the similar situation, just not with your phone. If you go with, uh, you find the deal on Foursquare when you're out someplace where you check in, uh, and you have your American Express card with you and you pay with it, it should automatically, um, you know, give you the discount, and that's that's the uh, the trial they ran out at South by Southwest, and there's also Groupon now, yeah, uh, which is something they're doing where it's trying to give you an instant offer rather than something that you redeem later, uh, which is traditionally how a lot of these deals have worked. And then, um, and then you've got you know, like we said, the Nexus S 4G is on Sprint, and that's the only carrier right now that is supporting this whole endeavor. Um, there, there's also talk that the other major carriers in the United States, which of course are AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon, are all working on their own NFC proprietary approach to payments, which means that we could have a another sort of standards war yeah. to determine which, if any, of the four come into uh, prominence. And you know, so it may be that it's it's a divided. Uh, market where it all depends upon which carrier is uh, in charge of your your cell phone plan. Yeah. So, yeah, we're still going to be kind of keeping an eye on this, and you know, hopefully, we're going to have systems that will go across all carriers so that it makes it simpler for everybody, right? Because uh, assuming that the the uh, the scanning platforms, the actual NFC consoles where you tap the phone against it, assuming they can read all the different variations of this, well, uh-huh. then that would be fine, right? Because then it wouldn't matter. Like if the if the vendor end is agnostic toward which platform you're using, that would be best. But if you go there and you're like, ah, I've got this on my phone and you tap it and say, oh, wait, you're a T-Mobile customer? Sorry, we only, we only use this for Sprint. That would be very frustrating from a consumer standpoint. Oh, yes, absolutely. To the point where you're like, what's the point of this? So um, it's early days yet. We'll have to see. And and uh, it's not that I hope that Google is triumphant and gets that the total market share for this. Um, I think the competition is a great thing. I just want to make sure that the competition is such that it doesn't hurt the consumer experience. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I want to make that clear, though, that I'm not trumpeting Google and saying, I hope that they crush everyone under the heel of their enormous Googleplex boot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh these I, boots were made for Google. <laughs> it's convenient enough and people are there are certainly enough smartphones out there where I think the the market may be more ripe than it has been in the past. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think it will will take some time to catch on. Um, uh, Bolton, who I mentioned earlier from eWeek, also uh, in his article mentioned that uh, in addition to security concerns, he thinks that it's possible that basically apathy, consumer apathy will uh, win out and that uh, none of the you know, Google Wallet just won't succeed in the long run. Um, I'm not so sure that security or apathy are, are going to beat um, 
the convenience of NFC, uh, unless there are just some horrific, uh, problems. I mean, you know, with all of the, the hacking that's been going on lately with, um, everybody, with everybody, yeah. uh, it, I, I just don't know that it's, it's going to register. I, you know, well, at this point, it may so. ultimately not matter if you if you demonstrate that the financial systems aren't secure on their end. Then it doesn't matter what you're carrying in your wallet. Yeah, that's whether true. it's virtual or physical. And I mean, that's a scary thought, but we've already seen it happen. Yeah, you know, we've seen credit card companies get attacked by hackers, and we've seen you know other companies that are not directly connected to financial institutions, but are indirectly connected, and that's the way in. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a scary thing, but. I mean, and people who've been able to decrypt a, pl- a pin block, yeah, um, that they've hacked, which which was at one time considered, you know, highly secure because you have the credit card number encrypted or the debit card number encrypted plus the pin block encrypted, different separately, right? And they said, oh yeah, well, with that level of security, you're not going to get it. Well, yeah, they've found ways to get that. Never too. say that your ship is unsinkable. Yeah. So you could also get mugged on the way to the that's true. store yeah. and have your cash taken from you. So, so. Uh, the message you should take from this episode is the world is dangerous and they're all out to get you. So if you guys exactly. have any other topics you would like <laughs> us to talk about on Tech Stuff, you can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is Tech Stuff HSW, or you can send us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will frighten you again really <laughs> soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Fork's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?